really good to be here today. Thanks so much for having us. And I brought a little team um, with me. So it's KJ. Do you guys want to stand? KJ, Matt, Charlotte, and John. We haven't. John's over here. We haven't. We haven't fallen out with John. We fell out in the car. So we said, John, you sit over there. We can't know. <laughs> So John's over there. So it's just great to be here, and we're just a, a real privilege. We love this church. Obviously, I've been here a few times at a uh, weekend away a few years ago and came, I think, last year. And Phil Wilthew, who you've met as well from King's Island, has been here. So we have great friendship and connection with numbers of you over the years, and it's wonderful to be here. And um, Rob has asked me to specifically this morning to speak on healing, which um, is, a, is, a, is a great subject for me to speak on. And you, you need to understand some of my background, though, for, to give it context, which is that when I chose my A-levels, I chose to do um, double maths, physics, and chemistry. I mean, is that, I mean, these days that would be diagnosed as some kind of illness, wouldn't it? I mean, who, who chooses those subjects? But it just gives you a, a kind of concept into how my brain works. I'm very logical, scientific. I then went to university. I did a, the first part of a degree in physics, um, uh, in astrophysics, and then decided that wasn't what I was going to do. So I switched to engineering. So my whole kind of world and mindset is around logic, around things that add up and make sense and work. And then um, move fast forward a few years, there was a, a meeting I was in and there was a, a powerful um, a prophetic word for me. And God spoke to me again and again. He said, um, Simon, you ought to tell people that I am the Lord who heals. I am the Lord who's got the logical kind of cynical kind of makeup that needs to see how things work. But God has called me to it. And so anyone else find themselves in that position? I'm not built for what I'm doing, but I'm doing what I'm doing because the Lord has called me to it. So I'm here to speak then on I am the Lord who heals. And um, it's been such a journey for us, for me personally, and for us as a community. And um, I just want you to be encouraged by our lack of faith. You know, the, the first time I, I heard a story, we didn't have any stories of healing in our community. I heard a story and it was a whole family who had food intolerances and they were all healed in one hit. So they all had wheat and dairy um, allergies and they all were prayed for and they all were uh, were healed. And so they went out that night and ate a deep pan pizza and drank a pint of milk, which would makes me feel ill. It's uh, just the thought of it. But they all were absolutely fine. That whole family. So I came back to King's Arms and I said, guys, this is not kind of India or Africa. We're expecting I and mean, we hear of God doing amazing things. This is like in Bristol. And I know these guys and the whole family were healed in one hit. If God can do it there, he can do it anywhere. Anyway, at the end of it, a lady came up to me. And she said, well, Simon, I've got food intolerances. Why don't you pray for me? And honestly, on the inside, I thought, why do you have to ruin a great story by asking me to do that? Here I was. I'd done a great preach. I was going to go home and enjoy my lunch. And you've just ruined my day because now I've got to pray for you and nothing's going to happen. And then the whole thing's going to. Anyway, so I said, but of course, I didn't say that, did I? On the inside, that's what I thought. And I said, OK, yeah, sure. And um, in my best pastoral voice. So I prayed for a short prayer and went home for lunch. Anyway, next week, she comes up to me, runs up to me, in fact. And I, here's me thinking she's going to say, oh, Simon, nothing happened. Could you pray again? She said, Simon, I've eaten stuff this week I've never eaten before in my life. And I said, and I said, really? <laughs> so neither before nor after did I have any faith at all. But God has taken on, us on quite a journey because she had faith. She heard the story of what God could do and she had faith. And we have really learned to grow in this thing called faith. I am the Lord who heals. So I want to propose to you a question. 
Have you ever wondered why chairs have four legs? This is a bad place to do it because these chairs are strange and they don't really have four legs. But anyway, have you ever wondered why most chairs have four legs? Why do chairs have four legs? I know what some of you are thinking. Ah, Simon, not all chairs do have four legs. There are some three-legged chairs. Indeed, there are. But I remember the days back in the early days of King's Arms when we were just enjoying a worship just as we were here today. And then suddenly the drummer disappeared. <laughs> there he was playing along quite happily. And then he was gone. He was not. He had gone. And then we see his sheepish little head poke up again as he gets to his feet and tries to carry on drumming. What happened? He'd fallen off of his three-legged chair. He was sitting on a three-legged chair and he fell off it. So chair, chairs do have four legs. Why? Because they have them for stability. What about a five-legged chair? Five-leg chairs are odd. If you've ever seen one, I had to struggle to find some pictures of five-leg chairs. They're odd, aren't they? The office chair is the exception, but the others, they look odd. But I'll tell you what, they'll be stable. Those chairs will be stable. There's not much moving those chairs because four legs for stability, five for, I don't know, unnecessary stability. (laughs) For those who really feel insecure when they're sitting, you have a five-leg chair. Now, the point is this... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the point, the point is this, those, like that drummer, he probably sits on a five-leg chair now from now on. The point is this, the point is this, many, many Christians I've found begin their lives following Jesus and they start to pray for healing and they believe God and they expect healing. But somewhere along the line, they fall off of their three-leg chair and they no longer do. And I've met numbers of Christians, countless Christians who are in that place. They used to play, they used to believe God, perhaps have even seen him feel a few But somewhere along the line, they fell off that chair, and now they really don't. And often with disappointment, often with pain, often they would just kind of back off anything like that. And their immediate response when they're sick would be, let's go to the doctor. Now, I want this morning to move us onto a five-leg chair when it comes to healing. A five-leg chair, a solid foundation. And it's something that we've learned and have developed over the years to sit on a place of solidity so that as believers, we can do what Jesus called us to do. It is not that we despise what doctors and hospitals do. We applaud what they do. Uh, uh, John Wimber, one of my heroes in the faith, a great pastor, he once said this, if I have a headache, I take an aspirin and I pray for myself. I don't care which one gets there first. <laughs> you know, that for too long, the church and medical profession has been kind of against each other. And I'm believing for both, that God uses both the medical profession and also that he heals supernaturally. We see both happen in our community. And I want to give us this, and, and it's for a few reasons. Why is this in critical for your church, for you as an individual? You might be a, a, a mom at home with the kids all week. You might be in the workplace. You might be facing exams. You might have all sorts of other things going on in life. Why is this critical for each one of us? And there's three reasons. Firstly, it's for the reason of obedience. Jesus said, you will preach the gospel, you will tell people about Jesus, and you will heal the sick. So actually, it's not an optional extra for us. It's not something that we kind of want to, can need to add on. Jesus commanded us to do this stuff, that healing would be central to his new community. I don't know about you, but I, I so want to be relevant. I so want to be relevant to the world around. I don't want to be that kind of cheesy, sandal-wearing Christian. Forgive me if you've got sandals on. But you know what I mean? I don't want to be that. I thought I was safe because of the weather, but it's summer. I couldn't do that joke. I don't want to be that kind of, I want to be relevant. But I tell you what. There's nothing wrong with being relevant, but far more important than being relevant is being obedient. Jesus is not just looking for relevant Christians. He is looking for obedient Christians. And he told us, tell people about the gospel of the kingdom and heal the sick. The two go together. This is not just an option extra for the few keenies at the front. This is something for every 
member of his community. The second thing is this, compassion. This is important because of compassion. Because if you are a believer and your heart is beating, sooner or later in your life, you're going to want to pray for the sick. You are going to want to minister healing because the, it is so desperate. The need is so desperate in our own lives, in our own community, but also in the world out there. The sickness that we see around us is just desperate. And the more we do this stuff, the more we realize there are so many that the doctors can't help. That actually, they send away and say, there's nothing that we can do for you. So even if it were only dealing with those that can't be helped by the medical professionals, there is a job for us to play. Compassion alone. The, the sad thing is, though, I've heard so many believers and have probably prayed some of these prayers myself around the lines of, God, please heal this person because they've served you faithfully. Or please heal this person and I will serve you faithfully. Or even worse, and I would urge you never to pray this, God, please heal this person and put this sickness on me. And I've prayed for people who've been sick as a result of praying that. Not I believe that God did that, but they opened themselves up to some weird kind of stuff. And I want to say to you, that is not a solid foundation to pray. Because in nowhere does Jesus promise healing on that basis. That someone has put, It's not based on what we have done, but it's based on what he has done. It's not based on what we will do, but it's based on what he has done in the past and will do in the future. And the third reason is this, glory for God. Obedience, compassion, and glory to God. You know, again and again in the scriptures, it says that Jesus healed them and the people gave glory to God. Do you want to see God get glory around here? A couple of you, excellent. I'm talking to you. No, seriously, we are a people who are born to give glory to God, that he gets what he deserves. And there is nothing like the miracles and signs and wonders of God. There are signs that make people wonder. And as we step into this stuff as whole communities, we see the transformation of lives. I was just at a conference last week, and while I was there, there was a guy who was from a a Muslim nation, so it was a majority Muslim nation, and he was telling his story. And he said there was a, a, a family in our church, he said the father... Um, his son was in a, a motorbike, uh, a road traffic accident, and he broke his spine in three places. And the father was so desperate, he took the son to all of the local mosques for prayer, all the ones in the region, for the, to the imams to pray. They all prayed. He said nothing happened. And he got so desperate, even though it was dangerous for him, he came to the, he found a group of Christians, our, our church, and came. And he brought his son, his teenage son, and uh, the doctors had said to him there was nothing more they could do, that he was going to, not be able to, he couldn't walk and he was not going to be able to walk for life most likely. And so he, they brought him into the, the midst and the whole church at the end of the meeting gathered around and prayed for him and the boy was instantly healed. He's totally and instantly healed. And when uh, that happened, it was just an amazing story, but what, it was made more amazing by the fact that the, bo- the, the, the young man was there in the meeting. And he said, and now the man, this, is, this is the guy who was healed, and his whole family have come to follow Jesus now, and how he's going to do the national, traditional dance of our nation. And so this young man stands up in front of us in his full kind of dress and does something that was a mixture between Morris dancing on kind of drugs. It was like, <laughs> it was like this crazy kind of dance. But it was just amazing. So not only had the guy told the story, but we got to see the living representation in front of this young man who'd given his life to Jesus and was now dancing his national dance in front of all of us. God gets the glory. And so there's a couple of things I want to happen this morning. One thing I want to happen is that I want to have an opportunity to pray for the sick. We're going to do that at any end. If you're sick, I would love to pray for you and we would love to make some time 
to hear God's words and to pray. But the second thing I want to do, and perhaps the more long-lasting thing, is that I want to see in this community, and I know that you pray for the sick regularly, but I want to see a deeper and lasting foundation and belief that God is the God who heals. That I am the Lord who heals. I would love this church to be a place that people bring those who are sick and see God break into their lives. And to see a, 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 a flow of healing through this place. That as you go out into your workplaces and schools and colleges, that you are, have the confidence to lay hands on the sick and see the God who heals. So I want to do something a little bit, bit risky as well, because I saw somebody else do this once, and I, I kind of want to do the same thing. And I asked the Lord if I could, and he said yes, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> so some of you, as I'm speaking, you will feel the presence of God come on you. And um, you might not know what's about. It might be because you're sick. It might be because God's anointing you for healing. And when you feel the presence of God come on you, it might be a sense of peace. It might be that pain decreases in your body. I want you just to stand up where you are. Okay, I know it's going to take a bit of courage, but I'm standing up here, so why shouldn't you? <laughs> I want you to stand up where you are. Just stand up till I see you, and then I'm going to say, I bless you in Jesus' name, and you can sit down. Just as a sign of faith of God is doing something in me. You, you might feel electricity. You might feel peace. You might feel warmth. You might feel a sense of joy. Whatever it is, just respond in the spirit. Pain might decrease in your body. As you do, stand, and I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. We're just going to see the Lord work in people's lives. And if no one, as the, as the meeting goes on, you're going to feel the pressure if no one stood. But I shall be perfectly at peace because I know that God is here and that he's doing something. So let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this amazing community. And we thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And we just pray, will you open your word to us to give us a solid foundation, a five-legged foundation, that you are the Lord who heals. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, five things. As quick as I can. Firstly, I bless you in Jesus' name. There we go. That's broken the ice right there. The first thing is this, that God is a God who heals because of the character of God. This is what it says in Exodus 15. I am the Lord who heals you. In the Old Testament, God gives himself names, names to identify himself. Jehovah Shammah is the, means the Lord is there. Why? Because he wanted his people to know, I'm not, you might not be able to see me with your physical eyes, but I am the God who is always there. Jehovah Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. When the, the world and life is storming around us, God wants us to know, I bless you in Jesus' name. God wants us to know that he is our peace in the storm. And then also Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You listen carefully to the voice of the Lord and do what's right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands, keep his decrees. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. I am the Lord who heals you. It's part of God's covenant name. He introduces himself as I, I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you guys in Jesus' name. He introduces himself as the Lord who heals. And it's a, an amazing uh, concept to think that God introduces himself in that way. Joe, why don't you just come up for a moment, if you would. What was your least favourite subject at school, Joe? What was the one that filled you with grief and fear? Uh, probably arts. Arts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Joe, yeah. I want you just to yeah. close your eyes. Yeah. Okay. And it and it is two weeks before okay. your art GCSE. <laughs> imagine, imagine yeah, 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 it's yeah, two weeks. You yeah. didn't even go for the art GCSE. Okay. okay, so imagine you suddenly look at the paper and you realise you've been signed up for art GCSE. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you've woken up one morning with fear in your heart. What, tell, me, tell me how you're feeling. You've woken up, you've just looked at the paper, you've suddenly realised, oh, how did this happen? I've been signed up for RGCSE. How are you feeling? Confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, angry at the world, God and the school for making this thing happen. Okay. Um, planning an escape plan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Escape, fear. Escape, yeah. Okay. So I bless you in Jesus' name. So I imagine then, I, you're walking into school one day, and I, I come up, we've never met before, and I say, Joe, nice to meet you. I know you. I, have, I am the one who's going to deliver you an A at Art GCSE in the next two weeks. Yeah. How do you feel about meeting me? Um, believed. Yeah. <laughs> Planning how I can keep you for the next two weeks. So make sure you follow through on your promise. Very um, good. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Thank Overjoyed. you. Overjoyed. Thank you, yeah. Joe. That's great. <laughs> Suspicious. <laughs> I bless you in Jesus' name. You get the point, don't you? When God introduces himself, he doesn't just come neutrally. He comes with a name and he comes as the Lord who heals. He discloses. Healing isn't just a bless you in Jesus' name. It's just not a tag on. It's not a tag on to who he is. It's not something that he does when he feels like it. He says, this is who I am. I am the Lord who heals you. There's something profound when we understand that. It's a foundation for us. You know, for me, I used to think God was reluctant to heal, like prizing an iPad out of the hands of a six-year-old. You know, it's like you've you've got to somehow persuade him and say the right words and that there's a formula that you've just got to get right and tick all the boxes and then maybe, you know, put the right number of coins at the right denominations in the slot machine and maybe something will pop out. But when we approach healing like that and approach God like that, it's very, very uh, unstable because the foundation is I am the Lord who heals. This is just from... uh, this is my journal from one meeting, and I after every meeting I'll write a journal of what happened. And this was this this was a few meetings, so it was two and a half pages long. This is just one section. One lady had not been able to grip with her hand and managed to do so pain free for the first time in a year. Another young man had back pain due to some disc damage and bent to touch his toes for the first time in four years. Two days later, he was still completely pain free. Two people with jaw pain received healing, and the look on their faces as they found they were pain free for the first time was priceless. Our first foundation is this. He is the Lord who heals. It's the character of God. It's what he loves to do. The second is this, the promises of God, who heals all of our diseases. Psalm 103, I bless you in Jesus' name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forgot, forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. That's just one of many, many promises right the way through the scriptures that God is the God who heals. I bless you in Jesus' name. It's one of many, many promises. And what happens is this. Sometimes my kids will come to me. I bless you in Jesus' name. They'll come. And when they come to me, they, um, they'll say, Dad, can I you know, maybe have ice cream before? Can I have an ice cream? And, I, and I'm like, hang on, I see Caroline, at the, at the, maybe she's cooking dinner, and she's there, I'm sitting on the chair, and they've come, and they say, can I have an ice cream? And I suddenly realize it's right before dinner, and even as they ask the question, I can see Caroline stiffen. <laughs> she's been cooking the dinner and the ice cream and all that vocabulary. Uh, if, once they learned this, it, it, it changed everything, because what they say is this, but Dad 
you said. <laughs> but dad, you said. And, and Caroline stiffens even more at this point. And I'm like torn now between my child with pleading eyes and self-righteousness and, and my wife who's preparing the dinner. And I'm in, and I won't tell you how that story ends because uh, Caroline's not here. But you get the point, don't you? Dad, you said is some of the most powerful words in every child's vocabulary. And what happens when we approach the Lord is when we come to him, we need to come to him with the same words. Dad, you said. Dad, you said. And there's two ways to approach the scriptures of these promises. One way is the kind of belligerent, kind of self-righteous, Dad, you said. God, you said. You're the one who heals our diseases. But there's also the childlike. Father, you said. This is what your word says. And I would urge us, I bless you in Jesus' name, I would urge us, when we come to the Father, one is really the orphan approach. I would used to pray like that. God, this is what your word says. And, and the aggressive, the angry, the God, you owe us something. But the other is the childlike. The Father, I don't get this, but this is your word. And I'm presenting your word. Dad, you said, and Jesus said this, isn't he? He said, you being unrighteous fathers, if you will give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven? So if there's any delay, if there's any confusion, if there's any question, it's not to be about the character of God. There must be something else going on. Dad, you said we can bring him his word. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I was sick with an unknown illness. I'd been to numerous consultants. People had paid for me to go consult. No one could work out what was wrong with me. I had no energy. I could hardly... uh, um, And walking up to the shops and back was a chore. I was completely drained. And I would come back to these promises again and again. Dad, you said I don't get it. I don't understand it, but Dad, you said. And the Lord met me in that place. In fact, he did. I came out with an upgrade. I came out healed uh, over gradually, not instantaneously. And, 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 you know, that's one thing that we learned on the journey. I used to think that instantaneous prayer that was answered, you know, in, instantly was better than the gradual answer. And actually, it isn't. Jesus said this, you will lay hands on the sick and you'll see them recover. That word recover is a gradual word. Jesus even saw some gradual healings. It says that he prayed for some lepers and uh, those with a serious skin condition. And as they left, it said they were healed on the way. So if even Jesus saw uh, gradual healings as well as instantaneous, then we can accept both. I used to say this sometimes. I would pray for someone and I would say afterwards, I'd be like, oh, nothing. Caroline would say, what happened? I'd say, oh, nothing happened. I never say that now. Because I've learned as I've prayed with hundreds and hundreds of people, there are so many who actually nothing seems to happen right then, but they woke up the next day and all the pain's gone. Or in a few weeks' time, suddenly they're recovered from a condition that, that was, had been there for a long time. So I never say nothing happened. Because the reality is, whether it's the gradual, whether it's the instant, whether it's a combination of medicine and prayer, I'm not fussed. What I believe is that God is the God who heals and he said it in his word. That's the second thing. The third thing is the model of Jesus. This is what um, Hebrews 1 says. It says he is the radiance of the Father, the exact representation of God's being. So when Jesus comes, it's not a surprise that he comes with healing. He comes and he moves around with healing because he's the exact representation of God. And some people have this kind of view of God that God the Father is doling out sickness and Jesus is healing it like this kind of internal tennis match. You know, and whose side are we going to be on? I'd be on Jesus' side. No, no, it's not like that. They're on the same team. God is the God who heals and he sent Jesus. And when Jesus comes, he brings healing. And, you know, if you were to chat with someone and ask them about their best friend, ask them to describe them in a few sentences. Well, that's what happened to Peter. And this is what he writes in Acts 10, 38. He was with Jesus for three years, walking with him, 
talking with him, ministering with him. And he says this, you know, God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. When we come to Jesus, we see that this is the stuff that he did, which is why I believe the church should look like him, because this is what he did. He went around healing all who are oppressed by the devil. And there's a few things we can learn from that. Firstly, that healing, is, that sickness is not good. All who are oppressed by the devil. That's what it says, that sickness, we understand, is an alien invader into this planet, that God created a good world that was no sickness and no disease. And the Bible says that one day there will be another reborn world that has no sickness and no disease. And so this world that we see with destruction and cancer and HIV and just all this junk is not God's design. It's an oppression. It's a brokenness. That doesn't mean to say that if you're sick, you personally have necessarily sinned in the area that's made you sick. That does not how it, it doesn't work like that. But what it says is that we are living under an occupation a darkness, an oppression. And Jesus went around and he punched holes in it. He punched holes in the darkness and he lifted the oppression and set people free. And the second thing is this. When Jesus comes, he brings an atmosphere of healing. You know, whenever I, I, I uh, pray for people, I don't actually pray. I, I, I speak to the sickness because that's what Jesus actually most of the time told us to do. Heal the sick, he said. He didn't say pray for the sick, he said heal the sick. I always speak to the sickness, you know, pain, get out. Sickness, get out, because I believe that he's given us authority. But what I can say if people aren't healed, is I can say this. You know what? I'm just a follower of Jesus. If he were here, you would be healed. <laughs> because no one who came to him wasn't healed. And so if you want to give me, I'd love to pray with you again, or you can come to our community. We'd love to pray for you again. I bless you in Jesus' name. As, as we do that, we model that we are simply followers of Jesus, the one great healer, that he is the one who heals and that we're following in his footsteps, and we don't get it all right, and we're growing in faith, but at least we're having a go. <laughs> at least we're doing what he told us to do. I would rather be obedient than relevant. I want to be both, but I'd rather be obedient than relevant. And, and Jesus said this, you know, Mark, Mark Mark's a good friend of mine who ministers out of Ireland. They were in a, um, they pray for people on the streets in Ireland in Coleraine, and they have these, set these chairs out, and people come and sit in the chairs. And he was telling me a story a couple of weeks ago where, uh, a lady was on holiday in Northern Ireland. They were from the south, about 100 miles away. Her husband wheeled her up to the chairs. They'd n- there was no hope of her walking again. He wheeled her to the chairs, and they kind of had her there in the wheelchair. And the team prayed for her, and um, they kind of loved on her. They told her about the love of God and the blessings of God, and, and they just blessed her. And, and nothing happened. And she went away feeling loved and blessed and encouraged, which actually, at the end of the day, is all we can promise. I can't promise healing to anybody, but I can promise that I'll do my best to love you. <laughs> That's what we always do with our teams when we train them. We say, look, at the end of the day, leave, le- at least they leave feeling loved. I used to be paranoid about praying for those that, uh, that don't know Jesus. You know, well, what will they do and what if they don't get healed? And now, what over years I've realized, actually, as long as you love people, they feel encouraged. That someone actually took the time to pray for them is enough often. And many of them do get healed. M- many don't. But the reality is, at least we've left them with something. The love of God. And so um, they left this lady feeling loved and encouraged, but no difference. Anyway, her husband gets her back in the car. They start driving home. Halfway home, 
she says to her husband, stop the car. And he's like, why? What, you know, what do you need a break? Or what? She says, stop the car. Something is happening to my legs. So they pull over. It's pouring with rain. She takes off her seatbelt, gets out of the car, runs around the car and up and down the road. And they have seen numbers of miracles like that. Because it's what Jesus does. It's about his atmosphere. It's about his presence. We've seen people just healed in the worship. They've just been in the, come into the room and the power of God's come on in the worship. No one's prayed for them and they've, their condition has left them. It's about the presence of Jesus. And then the commands of Jesus that go with it, our mandate is to heal the sick. Preach the kingdom and heal the sick. That's what Jesus said to do. To do what he told me to do. To do it out of obedience. The gospel is not just about forgiveness of sin. It's about the healing of the whole being. Sozo, the word that's most often used in the scripture, salvation means wholeness. Wholeness emotionally, wholeness physically, wholeness in our spirits. Wholeness is what Jesus came for. And I do it out of obedience. And, and I don't get it always. You know, I remember I was in one meeting, and men, if those of you who know me over years, you'll know I've, I've often battled with insomnia. I have sometimes huge periods of terrible insomnia. At the moment, it's not too bad, but it kind of comes and goes. It's been a lifelong struggle. started when I was about six. And... Um, uh, uh, so this has been kind of an ongoing thing that I've had prayed for. I've prayed for myself. Anyway, I was in this meeting and I had a word for people with insomnia. And um, I was like, Lord, well, I'll pray for myself then. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to bring this word, a word of noise like you saw earlier. So I brought this word. And what was interesting, I said, anyone here with some, and what was interesting was six people stood. Five of them were on the end of a row right behind each other. I mean, it's like, it was like the weirdest thing. I was like, okay, I know this is God because you couldn't, you know, it's not as if the stewards had organized, right? Anyone with insomnia sat on the end of the row, you know, it's like, it was the weirdest thing. Five of them, and there was one over the other side of the room. Five of them stood. And um, so we prayed for them. It was a series of meetings. The next day they came back. Five out of the six said, I've slept last night. Some of them with like years of insomnia. I've slept last night. I've never slept before in my life. God, and yet here I am still on an ongoing, that was like six years ago, here I am with an ongoing battle. I don't get it, but I obey. I don't understand it, but I obey. There's something about just the sheer obedience of the disciple of Jesus. He told us to do it, and so we do it. Uh, even last week, as I was speaking on this subject, one of our ministry team said, she said, I've got these frozen shoulders, as someone testified to earlier. She said, last, in the last couple of weeks, I've prayed for two people with totally frozen shoulders. They've both been healed, and here I am. I don't understand it, but I obey. Uh, and that's what I found on the journey is actually we sometimes have to get over ourselves and realize, you know, we don't get it, but he is still good. We don't understand it, but he is still good. And he, we still do what he told us to do. That's the third foundation. The fourth is the cross of Jesus. This is what it says in Matthew 8. He took our illnesses. He bore our diseases. And I need to read you a longer scripture from Isaiah, because Isaiah was the one who prophesied, who told the story that Jesus would come and what he would do, and what he would do particularly through the cross. This is what it says. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and as one through whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Now, what it says in that passage is surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And 
I want to put to you that that is a poor translation. And I've read it in that translation on, on purpose because that's how most Bibles translate it. And actually, if you look accurately at the words, that is what the words mean. However, when Matthew, one of Jesus' closest followers, writes about this passage, he says this. That evening they brought many to Jesus who were oppressed by the spirits and cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Matthew retranslates what Isaiah says as illnesses and diseases. And the words can mean that, but that's more of an unusual meaning. And Matthew says, no, 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 that is what it means. And my contention is this, that if Matthew says that's what it means, then that's what it means. Because the apostles are the best translators of scripture and interpreters of it. They tell us that when Jesus came and paid the price for us, he didn't just pay for our our sin that we might be forgiven. He paid for our disease that we might be healed, that he did both. And and there are numbers of of believers who, who don't feel the same way. They feel that actually there's a separate category for healing and forgiveness. I'm convinced the two are together. I'm convinced that both were done, that for all eternity, we will know healing in our bodies because of what Christ did on the cross, that he died for our sin and for our sickness. And, you know, the reality is that um, the foundation, the fourth foundation is what Jesus has done. That's why I said to you at the beginning, it's not helpful for us to pray, God, please heal this person because of how they've performed or how good they've served you or If you do, I'll serve you. All of those prayers, God hears the heart behind them, but they're not founded on anything. What we need to found our our prayers on is what Jesus has done, that he took our diseases. He took them into himself and brought freedom for us because of the price that he paid. Even last week, one of our teams was out on the streets and uh, met a lady there with a chronic bone condition, chronic pain, pain in her hands. And they laid hands on her and prayed for her. And as they prayed for her, all the pain went out of her hands. She was pain-free. She had pain like out of ten. I think she said it was like six, seven, eight out of ten. Chronic pain. And as they prayed for her, all the pain, she was pain-free for the first time in ages. How did that happen? Because they are particularly gifted? No, no, no. Because of what Christ has done. <laughs> because of what Christ has done. They brought healing. And then lastly, the last foundation is this. Let's just summarize. Firstly, it's the character of God. Second leg of the chair is the promises of God. Third is the model of Jesus. Fourth is the cross of Jesus. And the last one is an ever-increasing kingdom. An ever-increasing kingdom. Jesus told us this. He said, the kingdom has come. When he arrived, he said, repent. The kingdom of God, God's kingdom, God's way, God's rule is here. It's right now. It's come. But he also said that one day the kingdom will come. This is what it says in Revelation 21, the last book of the Bible. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. Guess what? Sickness loses. Death loses. Disease loses. We win. We overcome. And you see that happening even now, don't you? You see breakthroughs in science and in medicine, breakthroughs in prayer. As we see conditions that years ago were fatal, now God is healing and we're seeing people set free. We win. Kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom has come. The kingdom will come. But the kingdom is coming. And this is the illustration that Jesus uses. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little 
yeast in a measure of flour. It permeated every part of the dough. So Jesus gave us our job description, didn't he? Kingdom has come. The kingdom will come. But the kingdom is coming. It's advancing. There is this advancing kingdom. Even in the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We like stand in the gap between a kingdom that's arrived in Jesus and that will one day come in all its fullness and we're in the gap. And our job as believers is to say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Not just in this area of healing, also in the, in the area of, of peace and joy and life around. We, there's many, many areas that the kingdom comes in, but we're focused this morning on one area, the area of healing. Our job is to stand in the gap and say, God, your kingdom come. You know, I, I've yet to see a totally blind person see. But I know it's happened in the past. I know it's happening even around the world today. I've yet to see it in the UK. Bless you in Jesus' name. I've yet to see it. But I can pray for blind people. And I have done. And I've stand with them. And I've stood with them. And I've said, you know what? I've never yet seen this happen. But I tell you what, one day you will see. Because God tells us that you will see. You will see for all, I bless you in Jesus' name. You will see for all eternity. Our job, my job with you, is to stand with you and to pray, God, do it today. Let your kingdom come. And I do believe God's promised me that one day I will see the blind see in this day, in this age. That we are, uh, we are living with an in-breaking kingdom. And the more we stop, the more we won't allow ourselves to fall off the stool, the more we stay solid and just do what Jesus told us to do, the more we will see. That certainly has been the story over the last 12 years since we've been on this journey. Radically pushing forward on this journey. We have seen tremendous breakthrough. Not everything that we'd like to see, but far more than if we'd just done nothing. And what happened was about 10, 10 12 years ago, I, I, I stood at the front of church and I said, guys, look, this is where we are right now. We don't see anything because we don't pray for anything. We're disappointed. Sometimes we've prayed sporadically in the past. We don't feel like anything happened. So this is where we are. We're here now. This is the future where we see what Jesus promised, that everybody is healed, that there's no more sickness, there's no more disease. I can't wait for that day. I'm tired of watching people suffer. I can't wait for that day. We can either choose to stay here because it's safe, because we don't get disappointed, because we don't see much, because we don't expect much. We can stay here. Or we can stay here. We can move to here. And if we move to here, we will go out on a limb. We will pray for people. We will see some not get healed, but we will see many that do get healed and touched. And I said to people, I, I'm tired of living. I've lived my whole life, my whole Christian life here. I need to live here. I need to live here. I need to learn how to deal with the disappointment. I need to learn how to love people. I need to learn to cry with people, to grieve with people. I need to learn to stand with people. And I need to learn to see great breakthrough. I need to learn to grow, to do the stuff that Jesus did if he were here, he would do that stuff. If he were in Bedford where we are, he would do this stuff. We would have streets of people lining up, waiting to see Jesus. I need to learn to grow. We need to learn to grow as a community so that we are like that. We are like that. Someone had a dream years ago, a, a skeptical guy who didn't, wasn't really on the forefront of all this stuff. He had a dream of people queuing up outside of our building. We're just down the road from the hospital. And he said people were queuing up to come in to be prayed for. We've not yet seen that, but we're starting to see the beginnings of it. There's something about a people who will move to this place. And, and, you know, even in the New Testament, they didn't have a 100% success rate. You know, Paul, one of the greatest, earliest New Testament writers, he says this. He says, I left my uh, co-worker, Trophimus, sick in, I bless you in Jesus' name. I, he le- I left my co-worker, Trophimus, sick in Miletus. That's what he said. 
And then a few years later, we, we hear of him being shipwrecked on Malta. And he's on Malta, and, and he prays for a, uh, an influential guy, and the guy's healed. And it says they brought all the sick on the entire island to him, and they were all healed. So here's Paul. He leaves his co-worker sick for an unknown reason. We don't even know if he ever recovered. And yet a few years later, he sees an entire island healed. Yet in neither point do we see him... We, you know, you can imagine him here, can't you? Like, they bring all the sick and you think, yeah, yeah, I can't help you. I'm in Trophimus. You know, I left my buddy sick. I'm not going to be able to... You could so easily have been living with that disappointment. We don't even know what happened. We don't even know the end of the story. But he just did it because that's what God told him to do. He just lived out of an obedience. And I just... For me, that's what I have um, decided to live with. This place where we stand on a solid, solid foundation, the character of God, the promise of God, the model of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, the increase of the kingdom. We stand on this foundation and we just pray for the sick and we see God break in. And where we don't, we encourage and we strengthen and we stand with people. And some might say, well, you know, if you say that, that, that sickness is bad, are you saying that God can't use my sickness and can't teach me through a sickness? God can use anything. He can use anything. He can, you know, he can win with a pair of twos. You know, he can use anything to see God's kingdom, to, to, to change us and to bring us through. But fundamentally, the major thrust and message of the, the New Testament and the scriptures are, are, are not that. The major thrust are God is the God who heals. And that's the message that we are to proclaim. The five-legged chair. I look forward to the day when sickness is finally pushed into the sea. But in the meantime, we stand in the gap as the people of God. And we say, God, thank you that you're the God who heals. We stand in that place. Amen.